This is the Heavy Hole Podcast. I'm your host, Big Will. In the immortal words of Biggie Smalls, you're in the danger zone. You shouldn't be alone. And I am not alone. Ian Conies, welcome back to the podcast. Never alone. I'm, I'm always a call away. Thank you for yes. having me. Yeah, I, no, thank you for your t- the little the little the little cease to my Biggie Smalls. Little, no, let's not go there. Let's not. <laughs> you're, I I almost said the P Diddy, but we don't want to say that nowadays. No, yeah, more, don't do that to me now. More hip hop news, man. Let's cut that out, man. Jeez, <laughs> oh boy, right off. It. Rest in peace, Biggie Smalls, man. Um, no, Ian, how you been? What's going on, man? Been good, been good. I said a moment ago, like I feel like I'm on a 30 day cycle every time I see you. Uh, you know, or hear from you. My children are as sick as dogs. So oh. that's where we're at, but that's okay. It's it's about to, you know, the holidays coming around, that's when it happens. So I, I wish them well. <laughs> I hope I I wish I brought some antibiotics or something, man, or some uh, Purell at least. I don't know. Nah, you know what? It's too much of that in the world. That's the problem. We need to rub more dirt <laughs> on them. So uh, if you have more germs you could send, that's what we're looking for at this point, I think. Well, slow down because I have some totally sick recommendations later that we're going to get into but um but before that the speaking of disease um and and filth there's a pressing question since the last time uh our patreon listeners know you and i had a lengthy discussion about animalia the animal kingdom um you were trying to get rid of some chickens man how did that go what's going on you still got these chickens it's getting cold out Great question. Thank you for following up. Uh, chickenless, they're all gone. Yeah, we. Uh, it's also crazy because my wife was like searching high and low for someone to take them, and then out of the blue, uh, I think it was on like Facebook. I'm not on Facebook, but uh, like a young woman came to our house it, within ten minutes. She was like hit up my wife and was like, "Yeah, I'll take them." Came and at that point we only had like three or four left, I think. And mm. she had the the shit in her car. And in my head, I was like, "You were like driving around." in the hopes that this would happen to you because you came here so fast and she grabbed them. Boom. That was done. So we're down. We have a dog. We have a dog. We have so many children. That's all we got now. So you got, you're working on more kids. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is. It is genuinely crazy. I agree. Well, you should yeah, work on, work on some more dogs. I'm working on it. I, I, I told you we're cleaning up the property. I'm getting ready for a dog. Getting ready That's for, awesome. Yeah. Do you have a time of year right now that you're like, I'll probably be ready in X amount of time. Uh, I'm thinking like, like after the holidays, you know what I mean, man? After we're like, you know, we might have people around for the holiday. Don't want to introduce the dog and we're going to be out of, out of the house for a while or something like, you know what I mean, man? Like, wait till things settle down. I got from this construction project. I have a magnet on a stick. It looks like a push broom, but it's a magnet going all over the property, picking up nails and screws. And it's, that's really fun. That's probably the funnest tool I've ever used in my life. That um, sounds awesome. That's a good time. Amazing what you find. Yeah, I'm going to, after we're done actually using it around the house, because they, they you know, the siding, the roof and all this, there's nails and screws everywhere. You got a flat tire just parking in your driveway. So I got to make sure all that, you know, that, that could do damage to a dog. I get all that stuff out of there. The dog, you don't want the dog digging and all of a sudden it's got a screw or a nail in its paw. Next, that's that's bad. Uh, uh, we got to make sure that... um. These construction guys, they stomped out all the gardens and the grass. There's mud everywhere. You get a dog now, there's going to be mud and dirt, man. We got to fix this place up. Um, uh, make make sure that's ready for a dog. And when I get a dog, I, I've had small dogs. I want a big dog. I want a, My criteria for a dog is a dog that is not comically small for a large man like myself. 
Yeah, you I know? think you got to go one one way or another, though. You know, yeah. like you, to your point, you either have to go in like pocket sized dog. Yeah. Or you got to go big old dog. How how big are you talking when you say like uh, a big dog? Uh, well, well, like I said, man, it doesn't have to be crazy. Like a Marmaduke would be pretty sick, but it might ruin the house. Uh, but you know, at the same time. Um, yeah, just like you said, like not something I could fit in my pocket and like wear a fedora around, like ironically, and have a little chihuahua poking out with its little fedora. I'm not. Yeah, it's just not. Maybe somebody else could pull that off, not me. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. It has to be old too, an old, an old house trained slob that doesn't have too much energy. I'm not into all the too much energy. Take that somewhere else. You know what I mean? It's it's you know not not cute. Um, but we're 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 descending down the 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 animal kingdom trail. We're going into Jurassic Park again, um, with with our fascination <laughs> with all sorts of different animals. Ian, you and I, man, we might have to start a different pod. It'll be like when they started Wild Boys off of the Jackass Crew. It'll be you and me doing a, doing a podcast all about animals. Yeah, just just petting dogs and eating nails out of your backyard. That would be the show. Yeah, wow, man, that's great. Um, listen, speaking about my fascination, I also have a fascination with a part of the animal kingdom, uh, that parallels our own kingdom here on Long Island, New Jersey, an interesting place. I've always found like-minded individuals and a, uh, beautiful cornucopia of amazing underground music out there. One such example would be the band Blemish. And I think we're going to get down to business right now. Uh, Ian, you and I can talk dogs elsewhere. This is Big Will from the Heavy Hole Podcast, and I'm here with Ken and Nick from New Jersey's Blemish. How you doing, guys? Welcome to the podcast. What's going on, dude? Yeah, excited. Thank you very much uh, for your time. Um, And uh, who's who's the third member of Blemish we're missing today? Sadly, Uh, we are missing out on Alex today. They got caught up at work. Fair enough. Yeah, they're a guitar player. Fair enough. Well, I just wanted to shout out Alex quickly before we begin with uh, with you, and that's that's quite all right. Um, as, as I always tell artists, just in case anyone might have ever wondered, I tell people behind the scene, it's up to the bands, who does the interview, how many members, blah, blah, blah. If you want to send your drummer next time, you do it this, I don't care. Um, but I'm glad we got you two here, and as I told you behind the scenes... Uh, we want to. De- we definitely want to talk about Blemish, who's been making some moves uh, the last few years behind the scenes, um, and your new album. But I am going to take it slow and start at the beginning. So let's start, uh, Ken, with you quickly. Uh, I'm going to ask you: Are you from a musical family? Any musicians in your family uh, older than yourself, or was there anyone that steered you into extreme music in general and rock music in general as a kid? Um. So. <clears throat> Yeah, my my dad played guitar, uh, not in bands, probably from everything he's told me, it's been nothing more than he played in the uh, the church church band. Uh, That was probably the extent of his music career. Um, But he was also a a DJ for um, a good period of time when he was at Rutgers. Um, He did that as like a, a hustle. So I was always around music because it's not like he hid hid the stuff so um in terms of getting into extreme music um 
no one really gave the keys to the kingdom in that way. I kind of had to go out and find that stuff myself. Um, I mean, like the extremities, which my dad probably loved was like nine inch nails was like, that was like the end point (laughs) of the extreme. Um, so for me, how I found music was basically, uh, being a kid with a lot of time on his hands because he wasn't really going out all that much. And, uh, you know, finding out from like, say Nirvana, you find out that the Melvins exist and then you're like, whoa, what's this? Like that kind of thing. So you go from like the Melvins into like Mastodon into Pig Destroyer. So that's kind of how I ended up where I would get to. I would, um, I'd say like one pivotal record shopping trip that changed everything was uh, being freshman in high school. Uh, I'd already liked a lot of heavy music for sure, but I remember one day going to um, the local music shop in Red Bank, New Jersey called Jack's. And um, I picked up two used records, um, which were no three, my bad. It was, the Melvin's nude with boots, uh, cattle decapitations, the harvest floor and pig destroyers, um, prower in the yard. And, uh, yeah, I would say probably after that point, I realized what I wanted to dedicate myself to like full stop. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, and what, now, I imagine, you, do you have projects and bands that predate Blemish? Uh, yeah, totally. Um, and, you know, I've been all over the uh, the spectrum in terms of music projects. Um, so I had a band in high school called The Uncommonly Good um, with my friend Lance and uh, our other buddy Dylan. And, uh, that was, that was a little more like, uh, deranged punk. Like imagine, uh, if the butthole surfers, uh, kind of met, uh, Dillinger escape plan type thing. (laughs) That's what we wanted to go for. I'm sure it was not successful in that regard. Um, then after that, I found, I was in like a noise rock band with Dylan from, uncommonly good called um altered cross and that was a bit more like on the uh, amphetamine reptile tip Uh, i'm wearing that hat right now uh so like helmet unsane melvin's like it was just worshiping that um and then kind of leading directly up to blemish i was solo a lot of years doing like uh noise um like a lot of experimental that's where my heart really is nowadays outside of blemish is definitely noise. So, um, but that being said, I, I got a lot of love still for the heavy music, but that's kind of like the short list of what I was doing. Okay. Fair. Enough. And I want to get into noise and talk about your tape label, um, a little bit later. Uh, sure. but while, and while we're a quick question, uh, just Nick, before we get to you, um, the, your dad DJing, are we talking vinyl? I don't know what era we're talking. Oh, no, yeah, like vinyl, man. Um, If I can at some point after this interview, 
I will ask if he still has one of the ads around. So like he used to DJ like um, he just DJed like parties and bars around uh, the New Brunswick campus of Rutgers. Um, and uh, must have been the 90s. No, it was the 80s. He's a wow, uh, early okay. 80s grad for nice. uh, Rutgers. So it was pretty early on. And um, he. I mean, he, he like his love of music, which extends to me and I think creeps its influence into blemish in subtler ways is like new like new wave dark wave that kind of thing he loves that shit um you know he uh, that's kind of like what his cup of tea is he can listen to the he loves listening to the uh like 12 inch club mixes of like blue monday <laughs> that kind of shit <laughs> We, but, were, um, we, I, were, we were talking about that side of the scene earlier before we started recording <laughs> the, the more yeah, goth, and, goth industrial scene. Um, yeah, my, my, uh, but I, I actually to hop off of that, I think how that kind of like influences me in a lot of ways, especially coming into blemish is that like, uh, one distinct thing I'll always remember in the car when I was first getting into like, you know, rock music, like taking music more seriously is, um, my dad would always play memories can't wait by talking heads. And um, he would always point to the last minute of the song. He's like, this is the best part of the song because, you know, they just stop singing and uh, they play the chorus and they just play it out like over and over and over. And uh, I kind of find like myself with that, with blemish. I, I love taking parts and writing them uh when when you got like a hit part it's kind of like that so yeah music background i try and meld it all in some ways uh into this band all right fair enough man all right man i'm 80s dj your dad sounds kind of cool honestly man um with with the with the dark wave vinyls my my dad is my dad took me to a shit ton of shows and i can't thank him enough for that because you know my mom Definitely didn't want me going to New York when I was like 12 years old mm, mm, yeah. to go to like a Dillinger escape plan show. So, you know, some of these bands that people would dream of seeing, he, he sat through like <laughs> five to eight times or something because I was like, I want to go. Like, we have to go. <laughs> show dad. There's a show mom in New Jersey who, who sat through a few Reeking Aura shows. Um, shout to her. And her son. Oh, yeah. All right, but listen, um, uh, I'm glad I asked Nick. I've had you on the sidelines for so long. Same line of questioning, musical family, musicians older than yourself, anyone that steered you towards rock, extreme music, that sort of thing. So when I was younger, I would dig around in mom's basement, in uh, mom's bins in the basement, rather, and uh, I would look through all her CDs. And I was uh, a lot of kids, like there was like a whole generation of kids who were like, oh, I was an MTV kid, but like at that time mtv was really dying out so i was like the vh1 classic kid so i'm watching like <laughs> fucking Dokken, oh my god um striper you know all that kind of like super hair metal stuff sick and um i went through my mom's bin one day and i pulled out uh, a guns and roses appetite for destruction cd i pulled out uh, a van halen greatest hits album uh and the cars i can't remember the name of this cars record but um my mom really liked them yeah, yeah. and uh 
I would bang on pots and pans when I was a kid. And eventually my mom took me out of school one day in October when I was eight. I'll never forget it. It was like around Halloween. And I was like, why'd you take me out of school? And she said, I'm I'm giving you drum lessons. And I freaked the hell out. So we went right out of school and I had drum lessons. And that's kind of like where it started. Um, as I grew older, I would like listen to corn and then in middle school, I discovered black metal and my cousin let me borrow some CDRs of uh, Day Mysterious Dome Stathanas by Mayhem and Transylvanian Hunger by Dark Throne. And then I very quickly got into death metal after that in my teens. And then I fell down the rabbit hole of like gore grind and like degenerate. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say even some porno grind stuff when I was a teenager. Oh, God, like some of that shit was so bad. Like I was listening to, to Sperm Swamp unironically um uh um, satan's revenge on mankind also comes to mind some really like gutter like gore gore and like porno grind and then um if you're gonna have a if you're you're gonna have a porno grind phase let it be while you're like you know in your teens early 20s because then you can at least blame it on hormones you know oh dude like I'm so embarrassed that. I'm even talking about this right now. <laughs> I'd like to add that when Nick and I first started like becoming friends uh, real hard, uh, he would always message me being like, you know, being like, hey, Kenny, have you ever heard of this band called uh, <laughs> like anal, like anal cum sewage? Like they only have a demo tape that 17 other people have heard of, like acting <laughs> like they're his biggest fucking Metallica Shout, shout to Adam Rotella. I've been having those exchanges for like 25 years. <laughs> it it just never stops, man. Shout out to shout out to my boy Adam, man. Yeah. Uh, he loves his gore noise. Yeah, the, the, why is it easier to collect gore noise and gore grind, but porno grind is like it's like it's a dirty shit. Like you could have an anal birth CD and all this stuff, but like well, you know, once you have that that porno grind collection, it's just it's like all right, guys, I I got this box over here. I keep my my CDs in. Well, it's like. Like, I think uh, I read in an article one time that the worst investment an American can make ever in your life is buying a car. And I think the second place one was buying a porno grind collection. Oof. <laughs> as, um, as someone who owns both, I'm hurting a little bit right now. But I'm, so, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry to take you on that on that segue. Man. Please continue. Please continue. So, yeah, after I, I went through that, like, degenerate um, shit, I joined marching band in high school. And I um, I started listening to Death Grips a lot, and that put me into a rabbit hole of like uh, finding different like uh, forums and chat rooms to see where like what other people were listening to. I would I would always like consistently listen to metal. Like that's how I discovered like Blood Incantation back. I'm thinking like 2015, like pretty early mm-hmm. in their career. Um, I would listen to a lot of like. Uh, what you call it? Like uh, Animal Collective too, kind of comes to mind. I liked some of their stuff. They had some pretty cool records. Um, yeah, and I just kind of uh, always tried to maintain ever since high school, like a well-rounded uh, taste in music. Like my, I think if you look in my like CD collection, if I could like physically show you, uh, there's probably something for everybody in there. Like I really like. There's a lot of jazz, rap, of course, a lot of grindcore and metal. But uh, I try to keep well-rounded with music and uh that's kind of how it's been ever since when do you pick up drums exactly like what age eight years old um i think when i was nine because i stuck with it my mom bought me a a, a drum set which is a a little mapex that i still have to this day and um 
Yeah, I've, I've kind of drummed on and off. It's I've kind of drummed on and off for like it's been like over 15 years now of like experience with that. And I also play guitar at nine, um, played bass, took bass lessons, kind of did all that. What about bands um, prior to Blemish that that wrote original music and played out? So uh, another embarrassing thing I'll divulge. <laughs> I was in a ska band in high school because when you're in marching band, Streetlight Manifesto is the shit. <laughs> and uh, I went to go see them a bunch of times and eventually started a short-lived ska band. Uh, we only really did covers. Uh, I also played like second guitar, which is weird. Um, after that, when I went to college, I, I befriended my friend Lance, who was in a band with Kenny years ago. I actually saw their band play their final I show. Yeah, I saw you play uh, your final show in a basement. For some reason, at the end of the show, you started singing the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> I'm like, what the, who the fuck is this guy? Anyway. I... Um, <laughs> I listen, Nick. This is the first time ever someone's ever made me defend porno grind and ska in one conversation, and hopefully the la- hopefully the last. All I'm gonna say is I've been thinking ska has become such a meme, and with good reason because that's like, I guess you might want to say third wave that of, of American ska and the, the mighty mighty Boston's era, the '90s. Mm-hmm. That's when I really started getting played out for me, and it's like the you know nowadays yeah, but it became this weird thing. I. I do have a soft spot for some of that, like, I think what people might refer to as second wave English, uh, like British ska music of the late 70s, early 80s. Like the specials in Madness. Yeah, I yeah, I, I yeah. still like ska. I'm not like poo-pooing it, but I'm like embarrassed to say that, like, there's a picture of me floating around of high school me in a really shitty, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a really shitty photo wearing his dad's Hawaiian shirt. It, yeah, you know what it is. I think the the the, the fashion element of the subculture kind of kind of got got it got Americanized a little in a, in a funny way. But um, that, people yeah, people shit on Sky now, maybe with good purpose. But I don't want to take up the entire blemish episode discussing the finer <laughs> points of Sky. But I'll I'll just agree with you that the specials and madness there is something there. Um, uh, for me personally. But please continue. Yeah, no, Sky is a uh, is actually uh pretty sick especially if you dive into like the reggae and like if you listen to some of the records that least scratch perry produced yeah yeah i heard some very interesting uh recording techniques about him burying a microphone in a potted plant and he put it in front of his bass player's amp and it it created this very like ethereal tone Hmm. but uh anyway back to bands i played in uh i play still to this day this noise rock band i started with uh with my buddy lance and his girlfriend Michelle uh, called Hysteria. We were originally a feminist uke punk band called Dad Party, but that was very short lived, and we got sick of uh, like playing like kind of like three chord punk music. We got pretty over that really quick, so we uh, reinvented ourselves and we changed our name to Hysteria and started like you know making more music in the vein of like Sonic Youth, Unwound. We really love Slint. Um, Things like that. We just kind of like the noise rock. We're kind of on the noise rock wave. Okay. And um, do you, Ken and Nick, do you go back to like high school with one another? Do the members of Blemish go back to high school with one another? When do you, when does the band, the three members start coalescing together? Is it prior to the band forming or? Um, I think that I can't, speak to when nick and i 
Um, I started really hitting it off that well. Um, like we'd known each other from around shows. Um, I can't, it was maybe like, I'd want to say like the friendship grew like really tight in like 2018 when coincidentally I was not living in the U S I was living in Australia for six months. So Nick and Nick would be up late as shit every night. So while I was starting my day, he'd be messaging me like just, so that's how we kind of grew tight. Uh, that's what I want to say it was. And, um, as for my friendship with Alex, uh, again, we've known each other from shows for a few years, but I think like, over the pandemic we um we became tight like we just one day it was kind of like uh alex's reputation was that they uh partook in the devil's lettuce so one day i was like hey do you want to uh hang out maybe do that same thing and uh like go to go to the park or something and uh we just listened to a lot of dj screw and uh did that and that's kind of how our friendship had uh taken off so um yeah that that's kind of like where i think my connection with those two happened uh nick's is probably entirely different i remember we we would like talk in like 2017 and then you asked me to do a tour with you in uh the winter of 2018 yeah I'll, i'll never forget too because i had totaled i had totaled my car uh, or the family car on New Year's Day, I had uh, passed out behind the wheel. Really crazy, like traumatic experience. But I still wanted to do the uh, the tour after being like shooken up with all that. And uh, my parents were not happy with it because it was in the middle of a blizzard. And uh, I wanted to do uh, the date when he played in Boston. And ironically, of course, that was the best show he played that tour. He told me a lot. Yeah. Of people showed up. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I remember that now. Uh... Yeah, yeah, I remember that now. That first, uh, that first solo, well, not really solo. That first noise tour. Uh, that was three, lots of three, wild shit. Three <laughs> full days, and uh, yeah, and then uh, fuck, I just remembered. I t- I played with Hysteria in uh, 2018 when I had gotten back to the states. We did yeah, a tour together. That was our first tour, uh, the first Hysteria tour too. That was a, that was a mess. Whew, that everything. Huh, I'm not going to get into it. That was a mess. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> well, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> that All was. Right. A, I enjoyed that tour. That was really fun for for me. Oh, I'm sure you did, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he didn't we, drive. I remember a lot of a uh, yeah. I was a lot of backseat driving, <laughs> but uh. Well, wait, wait you, we, you you crashed the car on New Year's Day. Were you doing the driving? Yeah. yeah. He, 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 <laughs> um, I, yeah, but I remember on that tour, we bonded on a lot of music together, actually. Oh, yeah, we were ripping it, listening to, like, uh, a Bastard Noise or uh, a Man is the Bastard, uh, like, compilation CD. Yeah. Stissy Spacek and uh, Isis were also in the rotation. Yep, and you, while we were listening to that, I was running red lights and <laughs> making illegal turns. I want to talk about your driving habits, but didn't you, didn't you play with Sissy Spacek recently? Oh, I wish. No. I thought I saw no no um maybe i'm thinking of some other um more older more old, old older school band that i saw might your, be. i did a, i did a noise set opening for spacex one time maybe many I, years ago I, I saw maybe it was a flyer but um there's enough there uh 
Now hold on. Um, not not to pry, but the, you you brought it up. This car crash, New Year's Day. Uh, you pass out behind the wheel. You total the car. Um, you you weren't hot. You weren't hurt. Obviously, was anyone hurt? Uh, I'll tell you everything how it happened. I uh, there was this okay. girl I was seeing at the time. I had, I woke up really early. I felt like I felt a little anxious, but like I, I kind of brushed it off. I was driving, and uh, I'm on I'm going southbound on the Garden State Parkway on uh, New Year's Day. Mm. It's kind of light out, but um, I'm driving, and next thing I know, I feel this big wave of anxiety, and then everything goes black. I like I I pass out. Everything goes black. I wake up in a guardrail. I'm listening to Lupe Fiasco's "The Cool." on the CD player. I'll never forget it because the song that was playing and I'm not making this up was hip hop will save my life or something like that. Or it was like, it was a song that was like a song on there. I know the song you told me about. Like, yeah. It was playing. So I pulled, I got to drive the car. I pull over to a rest stop where there was a McDonald's and I'm like freaking out. And I shit you not, this also happened. I look in the rearview mirror and a hearse slowly is driving by behind me. So then that's when I go full freak out mode and I call my mom and, uh, but everything was cool, so we're good. I lived. It wasn't like uh, I, I I was not injured at okay. all. <laughs> okay, okay, and then you and then you ended up driving for the tour in the blizzard. No, he. That oh was, no, I, that was him. Okay, I drove that tour, the summer tour I did with the, his band. He drove, so he got he got like six months to to get better at driving. <laughs> okay, all he right. got six months to improve. That was a wild ride for a minute there. Okay, I just want to clarify that. I got I got to tell you um, when we get into talking about blemish and stuff. I got a, a funny story, uh, another driving related story on the way to a blemish gig. Uh, we'll get to later. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Well. Well. Quickly. Also, I wanted to ask you about Australia. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you want to get get into what you were doing down there, but I I, I was going to ask you if you got the chance to take in any shows or any part of the music scene or anything like that too. Oh yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no, I was just there for study abroad. Um, I being my, um, usual self of being a big old, uh, con, uh, contrarian when everyone in the study abroad session was being like, I'm going to go to Europe. I'm going to go to Japan. I was just like, I'm going to go to Australia because no one else has said it so far. Um, and you know, men at work, you hear the song, uh, everyone seems nice in that song. So, um, but yeah, no, like almost immediately, as soon as I touched down, um, I went on Instagram and I was, cause I was in, um, Sydney. So I just immediately started Googling. Like I was like Sydney DIY, like Sydney underground, like that kind of stuff. Eventually a show fire pops up and, um, yeah, I, quickly was just going to shows i brought gear over so i was like oh hey and i i make noise and they were like i think they were all fascinated by this american who makes noise who just found his way to a show not really by asking anyone by just kind of like looking into it so i played shows um i met a lot of great people down there uh, i'll shout out real quick i'll shout out um maggot cave and uh white horse two very uh great australian metal institutions in my opinion and um uh 
along with that, some uh, great shows I attended. I mean, I was recounting today with some people about how I saw a blasphemy uh, down in Tasmania uh, and Juz Osborne from Electric Wizard was watching the show too because it was all part of this festival called Dark Mofo. Um, and Electric Wizard was slated to play the night after. So just as they're watching uh, Blasphemy and um, my friend Pete, who is the singer of White Horse, introduced us and uh, he keeps on being like, I'm going to fuck up his voice. I'm not going to even attempt the British accent, but he's just like, you want a shot? Like, and we, you know, slowly the night's just evolving into drinks and uh you know yeah that's a great memory i love that i found a picture of the two of us together and it's it's a mess sounds like a good time man um australia man the 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 scene from what i've heard it takes a long time to get between places in australia but the scene is worth it there's there's some pretty good good shows and stuff it's amazing that it's either a 10-hour drive or an hour and a half flight yeah, that's <laughs> those, are, those are your two options. It's kind of like traffic in New York. Um, but all right, so and speaking of which, uh, by the way, uh, getting us back to the tri state area, um, are you all from like what, what you might refer to as South Jersey? Because there's we've made that distinction on, on the podcast that there's North Jersey and South Jersey. No, I, I stand by that I'm from Central Jersey. So, yep. um, I don't care what the government dictates is Central Jersey. That's where I grew up. Um, I can I can make better decisions than the New Jersey state government. Uh, I'm from Central Jersey. Um, I'll speak on Alex's behalf, and uh, they might have a different opinion. I count Point Pleasant, where they're from, still in there. It's maybe the end of Central, beginning of South Jersey. Uh, that's up for debate, but no, I firmly am from Central Jersey. Same for me. Okay. All right. I every time this comes up, there's uh strong opinions. Um and I only inferred South Jersey actually because Ken, when I met you, it was at a Philly venue. Um That's where I live now. Yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough, fair enough. I'm not trying to get into it. I'm not trying to no, get into it. No, 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 no. Sorry for respectfully. sorry for coming quick. No, yeah. I'm I'm joking, I'm joking, <laughs> respectfully. Um no, because everyone, uh, we get that too. There was a thing. Long Island has a much bigger uh, and more supportive scene now, out you know, as its own thing outside of New York City. But there was a big thing for a while. Whenever, whenever a band was from Long Island, they would just put NYC after your name, you know, instead of like Long Island. It, uh, that was a particular for me. But let's steer it back to Blemish. Uh, we got a little bit of insight into your history. Let's talk about the beginnings of the band Blemish, uh, please. Take take us through, like, like you know, you, you kind of told us a little bit about how you, you go back with one another and that sort of thing, but when do you all actually get the um, idea, let's start this band, do you have a name in mind, a sound in mind? Uh, what are the beginnings of this? So this band kind of starts off as uh, a project of mine. I thought this band was going to be just like a, a solo grind project with, with uh, me doing the instrumentals and Kenny doing vocals. But uh, it's, you know, obviously since evolved from that. Um, I remember sending Kenny demos for like what would be on the Blemish album. Um, I remember sending him one and uh, it was like really all over the place, guitar wise, not really good. And then he sent it to me, he roasted it. And then I was like, God damn it. So, out of a, a fit of rage, I wrote uh, Martyr, 
and Phantom Assault, which would end up on our demo. I wrote those by myself. But then um, Kenny and I would start jam- uh, when I sent Kenny those two songs, we started jamming together. And then you get the songs like uh, Strangle with Butcher's Twine and I think Weed Coma. We both right. wrote those together. And then the final Peace Day Resistance, our uh, our fallen comrade today got stuck at work. Uh, Alex <laughs> uh, comes into the picture and we wrote, um, I think it was, uh, we wrote Dipped in Sewage and um, Corrupted Body Chemistry as a three, is like a more collaborative effort. So that's how the demo comes together. And then uh, ever since then, it's kind of been more like a collaborative uh, effort with the songwriting like we all i feel like it it works best when all three of us are in the room together well i was gonna yeah say, oh i'm sorry go ahead go ahead ken i'll, I'll hold it for me oh uh, i was just gonna say on my side of the things i never intended this because it was during covid i mean like you, you know you never had an idea and um to keep going forward and um so Nick had sent Nick's right. Nick sent the two songs, uh, Martyr and Phantom Assault over to me. And I thought they were good. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I can do vocals over those. Uh, and we got together and we jammed. And then um, I think the discussion to do a person playing guitar kind of came from me being like, have you ever played to your own drumming? And he was like, no. <laughs> so, and I, I mean, I advertise my guitar skills very truthfully. Um, I'm a little bit out of practice. I can't play like I can't play all the the I can't play all the technical stuff. Like I have a threshold of what I can play. Um, so I think that's when the idea to get Alex came in, and uh, yeah, we just went into a studio and did the demo, and that's I get it, like kind of how that was received. It was like, oh shit! I guess this is a band now. <laughs> yeah, it like popped off. I was like, I was not expecting it to do as well. Like I thought, just like the like the grind people and like the locals would dig it. Yeah, yeah. Jersey friends. Well, you mentioned uh, that this band kind of started do- during the COVID era, um, and then you know thing things opened up, and obviously you've played a- quite a few shows since then and the band has kind of kept uh, steamrolling momentum um i mean it's like you say like oh i guess guess we're a band now what happened like did you just start getting offers for shows as things started opening up we got offered uh well since since the demo was popping off we we were kind of all it was like a, a bittersweet thing because like i was happy that people were digging it but like we couldn't at the time we were still pretty much on lockdown and we couldn't really play live until like I think later that year we got asked to play with Weeping and Warring Monk mm. at a uh, Rest in Peace to Chamber 43 this uh record store in um New Brunswick and that was our first show. Yeah, I think that um I think what the the thing that came with being a band that forms during the pandemic is that you don't get the chance to um you don't get the chance to prove what you're like live first. So I, in my experience of playing with bands, it usually was you do the live sets for a little bit, then you go in and you make the recording. But because of the pandemic, you don't know when things are going to end. So it's like, let's go make a demo. And, uh, you know, it kind of reversed where it's like, oh, shit, people love uh-huh. these songs. Uh, 
now we have to do them live. Like, so for me, at least on my end, I kind of felt like, like people be, I didn't understand, like people really liked the stuff. And, uh, it, it was, um, interesting to see like this expectation already was like, Oh, blemish rips. And it's like, we haven't even played our first show yet. Like we don't know if we, <laughs> we rip. Well, it's kind of like um, when you were talking about recording something during the pandemic and then uh, following with, uh, you, you made me think of Sanguasugabog. It worked out pretty good for them, uh, that, mm-hmm. that reverse process. So, um, well, now talking about well, the question that popped into my mind before was you're talking about the writing process on your latest album, your debut album, I say, uh, uh, should say Omnipresence, uh, which is on the uh, Frozen Screams imprint um on cassette if i got that right right is the writing process there more reflective of you guys coming together figuring out this is the blemish sound and maybe even um now also kind of being uh um uh polished from playing live i would say so that was uh that whole writing process is pretty much a, a collaborative effort yeah um i found that making that record like it came together we we recorded it in three days down in baltimore um but leading up to it like uh it felt like the lead up to it like trying to write it and trying like to sequence it in such a way where it was going to be like a banging record that's always the hard part from uh me personally to kind of think about because i am a fucking stickler for record flow and being like a record has to flow that like it has to flow this way or it's like the whole thing falls apart. So I kind of felt like in that sense, while we were in the room writing, um, it was certainly all collaborative. Like, um, and it was interesting too, because like Omnipresence was kind of the first time actually that I had, brought a song to a session showed the song and then when they jammed on their own the next time they're like hey we worked out this song and they completely changed the entire song on me (laughs) they changed all the parts around and i was like wait what the fuck wait what song Um, was it (laughs) this is um, news to me it was remission the 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 closing track is uh It was all kind of, it kind of all changed around a little bit, which I thought was, you know, it worked out for the better in the end, but that was, uh, to me, hilarious that it just ended up like <laughs> that. All right. Um, yeah. Well, well um, on, on on that note, right, real quick, because you, you talked about the recording process as a good segue. I wanted, you to, I wanted to ask you, being from central New Jersey, as you said, um, why go to uh, Baltimore, Maryland, to Developing Nations Studio to record your album? If I got that right, that's right. Um, I I think on my behalf, like on what I think, uh, I like I like a lot of the stuff that Kevin had done. You know, um, in particular at the time when we were thinking about writing a record, I'd been really into that Jarhead Fertilizer record product of my environment uh i liked it thought it sounded nasty um 
thought that was something that Blemish could probably do. And also on top of that, um, I kind of wanted to make a record not in our home area. So it was not like, oh, you know, we all leave the studio separately and then, you know, who knows what everyone's doing that night. Like we're getting like one of us goes to bed at like 10 o'clock and then the other one's up till five in the morning, just like kicking it back with our friends and shit. Like I just didn't want that kind of energy. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be like, we all go to the studio together. We're in this together. uh, And the record is the total investment in that weekend. Yeah, fair enough. And we're we're talking about Kevin Bernstein, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. Uh, developing nations recording studio in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, obviously, being a little facetious, why would you go there, down there? Um, people can look him up for themselves. I actually, I should reach out to him for an interview at some point too. Um, yeah. But his, his his catalog speaks for itself. Um, and I think I think his his services uh, worked very well for you guys as well on this this album that you have just put out. Um, that being said. Now, uh, are there any upcoming shows that you guys want to plug or anything like that? I'm sorry, forgive me. Was there anything else you want to talk about with the recording process before we get into that? Nick, um, I was I was going to say um, yeah. a good, a very good reason for uh, going into developing nations was uh, this album, this Magruder Grind album that I really fucking love. There's like 20 songs on here, and they all slap, and that was recorded there. So I was like, all right, I'm sold. <laughs> That was enough to convince me in the uh, the Full of Hell catalog as well. Yeah, Full of Hell, um, the last several Integrity. I, I think he he worked on so a, lot, a lot of stuff um, coming out. Very credible studio backslider, uh, especially mm-hmm. f- for what you guys too too I, 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 I do. And, and um, you guys are lumped in with grindcore, I think sometimes, but there's a lot of death metal in there. No, I think we keep a nice. I think we keep a nice balance. I remember uh, when we were. Uh, uh, we were going to play, we played with Moiskus in uh, Indianapolis and uh, Adam from Moiskus was drafting the flyer. And he said, I'm getting into an argument with my bandmate over this. Are you guys a gore grind band, a death metal band or a grindcore band? And I said, we're a death metal band that plays grindcore. There you and go. He's like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> that That's yeah, that's yeah. One, of, one of my favorite genre, subgenres. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, yeah, you know, always keep people guessing in terms of, uh, what to do which is cool i mean it results in some very interesting pairings with bands um so yeah well how has that ever have you ever been like a on a kind of a mismatched bill like have you ever been with like more like elite metal bands or something or were you ever like too gross in metal i can't picture you being too death metal for the grindcore and hardcore kids nowadays but i don't know has it happened I think the one that only can come to mind is uh is when we play with Zeta, this great band from uh, Venezuela. Uh, they're like a post rock band, and um, my other band Hysteria got asked to play that, and uh, so I had to pull double duty that night. But it was weird uh, thinking about it in retrospect. Now they're like, "Why is there a death metal band on this bill?" <laughs> yeah, um, I mean the, the Zeta thing it turned out cool at least. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, no, I don't, I don't find that we, uh, I don't find that we actually have that much of a problem. I mean, you know, we kind of have embraced Mixpo's a lot. I mean, the other month we played, um, we played the after party for, um, 
this band Teenage Halloween. They're like a power pop band. We played their after show and that featured um, another power pop band called Punt. This rapper Fatboy Sharif from uh, Newark. Shout out Fatboy. And um, New Jersey hardcore band uh, Phantom. So kind of like like we're we're fine with mixed bills and i think that people are fine with us um you know i'm sure there's one hater and they're <laughs> wrong it's not so. it's not as big a deal nowadays and you guys do it the brutal way so you're it you're you're, you're probably safe on on whatever um ground ground you're covering and, and uh that being said are there any upcoming shows this episode's probably going to be out the second week of december i don't know if there's anything uh timely that you want to plug um, yeah uh, yeah we're doing that um the second week of December. That would be when we go to play uh the, the Blood 8th. Bank. Yeah, we're playing the Blood Bank in Philadelphia on the eighth, and then we're playing News Cafe in um it's technically Pawtucket, but like Providence, Rhode Island, uh on the ninth. And then um I'm just dormant for a little bit because we have new songs to write. Fair enough, man. Any any news on that? Is there anything you would you would comment on new songs? Is there any um any kind of idea thematically or any any uh um direction that you're thinking about maybe going in? Anything like that you would want to say? They're pretty punishing, I'm gonna be honest. Huh. <laughs> um the only thing I would like to say on terms of uh direction is um I love the Melvins. So okay, all right. That's I like that. That leaves it wide open, but you kind of know. You kind of know where. Or you also kind of have an idea. You can use your imagination. Um, and quickly, Ken, I also wanted to give you opportunity to plug your tape label, French Market Press. If I got that right. Yeah, you did get that right. Um, yeah. So you know, we were, just, we were talking before the interview. Uh, been busy with that recently, but um, basically. French Market Press is um, a tape label that I started during the pandemic that uh, was kind of originally just meant to put out like things that I was on, uh, but do like really kind of crazy packaging in like the vein of um, stuff like MSBR or American tapes, like uh, that kind of thing. But then it slowly, I kind of made the decision in the past year of, I wanted to make the label a little more public and, uh, start releasing things for friends that I like. Um, and you know, it still kind of follows like weird packaging. I mean, like I did this tape recently. That's like, it's attached to like a, one of those mini diskettes. Uh, and you know, the tapes kind of attached onto there. Um, I also put out blemish actually put out a, um, a tour tape for our U S tour we did over the summer. That was, uh, five new songs that are not on omnipresence at all. And, um, uh, they are brand new songs. And the B side is all like noise core, total, like freaked out noise core. Uh, and you know, instead of like a traditional J card, it's in an envelope and it comes with, uh, like a collage, each copy has its own collage. All the tapes are spray painted, so it's kind of just a label to escape the norm of your average Norelco 
case to set. Right, I, I should have closed the closet behind me before we did. <laughs> I got all my no, it's all, all right, my dude. cassette I'm tapes. A, <laughs> I'm around a lot of cassettes right now, so I, I, you can't see. But there's a top shelf with some of um, uh, John Santiago uh, from Syrupheads uh, releases where he used to do that stuff. I got a few of those odd oddball uh, ones, some cassettes and VHS uh, boxes sure. and all that sort of thing. Um, uh, uh, but but uh, what's what's the best place for people to check out more of this? Do you have like what do you have a, a preferred social media or a website or something? So for the label, um, the I actually don't really like. I have a big cartel to sell the tapes on, but like, I don't do streaming. It's not really. I've found in my experience that you know it's not my job to upload your music to Bandcamp, and I think the artist always there's always going to be like some you always miss some fucking little liner note from the artist when you're doing something for that as a label. So I give people the option if they want to put it on streaming, that's fine by me. Um, the best place to reach me would probably either be my own Instagram, which is just my initials, KPG, or um, my email, uh, here at gmail.com. Those two are probably the best place you can find in terms of the French market stuff. It was probably a lot more forgiving to do a tape label in the 90s when people couldn't just get at you instantly about whatever little typo or whatever and and, and uh that sort of and digital music wasn't a concern uh, tape, tape tape labels in is like the the final frontier nowadays kind of man it's it's um dude yeah i had a i had a i had a friend whose tape i just put out i realized i uh i like counted i counted them incorrectly and i made like a, two extra tapes and i told them like i can just make two more tapes and they're like yeah throw those in with my artist copies by but like do that and i'm like oh okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't realize they're your artist copies okay it's all about like, some, sometimes it's all about tone it's all about tone man in guitars and in conversation um yeah yeah that's I, for sure. I, I get that too sometimes but um with that being said speaking of conversation uh you've been very generous with your time and at this point I'll ask each of you to take a turn uh, recommending something old and something new uh, in terms of pieces of music, album, demo, whatever, any type of music. Just recommend two things to listen to. Um, and then, of course, we'll give you the opportunity to plug and promote anything else you want. You want to go first, Ken? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, I guess starting with the old, we'll get all the get the non-metal out of the way. <laughs> um so starting with the old, I recently, uh, for my birthday, went record shopping and found uh, this cassette copy of uh, Meet the Residents mm. uh, that I was listening to and really digging more than I initially had. Uh, the Residents, for those who might not know, uh, California by way of Louisiana, like uh, the experimental art group. Um totally anonymous for decades. Um, and yeah, this first tape that they did was just them basically uh, going around old thrift stores, finding like reel to reels of like, like ragtime and like war, uh, war chants and manipulating them. Uh, really cool stuff it's from the sixties too, if you can believe it. Wow. And then for a modern kind of more modern tape, um, 
I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. And I feel like metal people will get into it. Um, they can uh, deterge one for the Gipper on a no rent tapes long sold out, but you can find it on streaming. Um, deterge for those who don't know is um, Jim Harris, who uh, is part of um, urine cop. And um, he runs a label called Fusty Cunt. And uh, this is a power electronics record where all the lyrics are pulled from Ronald Reagan speeches. And it is a terrifying record that uh, I think sheds that man's words in a very different light nowadays. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. I, I, I'm going to have to check that out. I've, I think I read about this once before. I've read more about power violence than I've actually listened to it. Oh, this is power electronics, power actually. Electro- power electronics. I'm sorry. I'm already, yeah. This that's is- our, that's our, that's all right, man. Yeah. This is, um, it's a, it's definitely an interesting record for sure. And, um, you know, I say if you like other stuff that, Jim's been involved with. I point out you're in cop for all the noise core heads. Um, you'll like the turge and you'll like this record a lot. Yeah. And just to clarify, I know the difference between power violence and power electronics, just for the listeners. Ah, just sorry, so, I punished, just, I punished no, just, you there just, for a second. Well. No, not you, not you. Just so the listeners don't don't punish me for for messing that up in the in a comment section somewhere. Um nope. <laughs> uh, uh and Nick, go, go go ahead. Go ahead. What what are your recommendations? All right, an old record that I could think of off the top of my head. It's, it's funny you mentioned that. I just alphabetized that that mess, this little mess back here. But um, I'm going to go with, for an old record, uh, there's this great band from England called This Heat, and they have a record called Deceit. It's very left-field, experimental music. Uh, I think they were once labeled the Beatles of experimental music, so I'm like, I don't really see that, but I'll take it. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, I say just give it a listen if you're into like post punk and like even some more like left field like noise stuff. What was the name of the band again? This Heat. This This Heat. Yeah, um, I think they had just played their final shows a couple mm. years back too. Uh, one of their members had just had like uh, recently passed away, mm. I believe. And a new album. I'm going to actually consult my, because I'm such a fucking dork. I actually keep an album of the year list on my phone. Uh, I'm going to consult my list. <laughs> um, well, I, I just want to say, I'm just going to say this to you directly. Uh, that new Afterbirth is fucking awesome, dude. Thank I you. really want to say that. Thank, um, you. Thank you. The new Sulfuric Cautery album is really good. Suffocating Feet for Dehumanization. Um, Moiscus, idiomorphic practices, more cracked out gore grind. Um, there is another one on here I forgot. To, oh, yeah. And uh, Shitstorm, <laughs> only yeah. in Dade, has been getting a lot of rotations for me lately. It's this really great power violence band from Miami. Yeah. Shitstorm. Okay. And, uh, yeah, Shitstorm. Uh, <laughs> I'd also be remiss if I didn't mention this real quick. Sorry. I knew we were only limited to two um nick and i went to a show uh earlier in the fall and we saw this um this another it's another power electronics project called uh 
half mortal. Um, it's Nick Forte from uh, that band Rorschach. Okay, it's yeah. his power electronics project. Um, it's like, it's like death. It's like, <laughs> it's like death metal, uh, like avant-garde stuff. Really great live. He put out a tape called Creatures of Christ on Hospital Productions. And that was another stellar tape from this year. Okay. Yeah, that's probably some of the best power electronics I've ever heard, if I'm being honest. It's like up there with like Death Piles, GR, and I really, that really took me by surprise. Okay, what was that again? Uh, Half Mortal, Creature of Christ on Hospital Productions. Okay, fair enough. All right. Uh, some interesting recommendations there. Thank you, guys. Um, yeah. uh, and and with that being said, is there anything I failed to bring up uh, that you wanted to say regarding Blemish or other projects you're working on to promote and plug? Uh, for, I, oops, sorry, Ken. No, you go, you go, man. Uh, for, since I had talked a little, a little bit about it, uh, my other noise rock band, Hysteria, we are planning on dropping an album this coming year. So be on the lookout for it. It's uh, I think it's some of our best work yet, and I think you'll enjoy it. Hyster- um, hysteria, right? Correct. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, I never stop working. Um, <laughs> there's always something stupid going on around huh. my neck of the woods. Um, I, I guess I'll say on the blemish front. If you are so starved to hear new blemish uh, so badly, you can uh, hit us up on one of our socials. We still have top copies of uh, our tour tape from the summer tour that we did. Uh, I'd like to just say again, it's five new songs. They're not on Omnipresence. Uh, I think they kick more ass than Omnipresence, even though that's kind of the record that people are jamming right now. I want to give you a chance to hear even more kick-ass blemish. And uh, we got more plans for 2024. Uh, just keep on the lookout. All right. Well, fair enough. Maybe when there's uh, something else uh, big coming down the pipeline, you send Alex over here and we'll get the, we'll get his side of the story um, about everything <laughs> too. But um, Ken and Nick, thank you so much for your time. It's been great talking to you. Um, and learning a little bit more about the history of the band and of your, your own involvement in the scene. Any parting words uh, for listeners of your music and, and listeners of the podcast? Um, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And um, just keep being the best versions of yourself mm. that you can be. And shout out to Rico. Yeah, wait, holy shit. We went a whole interview without... Talking about Rico. Shout out to Rico. I hate him. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Who's, who's Rico? <laughs> wait, now. Who's Rico? Uh, I plead the fifth. He's he's almost everything and nothing to this band. Um, mm. He is the he is the silent member. He's kind of. Um, He's like the George Martin of Blemish. Um, he is. <laughs> no, he's our friend. He um, he has done a lot of great things for the band behind the scenes. Um, he's driven us on many of our excursions. Uh, he's done merch for us. He's even helped with uh, lyrics, funny enough. And yeah. um, 
he has contributed uh, Liquid Sounds on uh, the to- that new tour tape that I mentioned before. All right, there's some, you know, having that that guy that can uh, drive and sell little merch on the side and hang out on. It's, it's sometimes it's a real benefit. Um, and so, we have the best person for it. Shout, shout to Rico. <laughs> I have a feeling. Yeah, I am certainly, I am certainly not the uh, the best driver. I will, <laughs> I will actually, I will actually say, and this is just a little final tidbit of blemish trivia. Uh, one of the songs on Omnipresence is called Marco's Meat Hook. And uh, that is about Rico's stepfather, Marco, who um, we all worked like me, Rico and Marco all worked at the same beach club together for a few summers. And uh, I finally the other night showed Marco the, his titular song with, uh, you know, Rico's mom in the room. And they just both <laughs> looked at me like they're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I love it. All right. And I was like trying to explain. I was like, yeah, no, this is a song we wrote about how Marco like sticks people on uh on meat hooks and then serves them up as burgers because he was like the chef of the beach club. So <laughs> some deep lore. Yeah, that's a little that's a little like nugget of trivia for recent blemish happenings. All right. I see. This is why we do the podcast. We want that behind the scenes lore to go along with the album um, and the new songs, man. Wow. All right. So shout out to Rico and his whole family. Uh, yes. <laughs> we hope you listen. We hope you made it this far into the uh, interview. Uh, heavy old podcast. Thank you very much, um, Nick and Ken from Blemish. I encourage the listeners to check out all the music we just discussed um, and to uh, to patronize uh, Rico's uh, family's uh, fine establishment also if they're out there, man. Thank you very much. Have uh, have a good evening. Yep. See you. Peace. Thank you very much to the band Blemish from New Jersey. We appreciate their time. Um, Ian, you're still with me, right? Always. All right, man. And and chicken free now, chickenless. Um, I was I was you know I was wondering because I was saying to myself since the last time we talked, you know, you have a lot of kids. Kids like chicken nuggets. Where's this going? You know what I mean? This the, like I, I was a little worried for those little guys, but it looks like everyone ended. How, how positive are you that this woman? Is not like uh you know some sort of like YouTube uh quiz cu- like culinary artist and she needs chicken quick you know I I'm leaning more towards she did something fucked up with these chickens than than she brought them to a good a good home because of how quickly she grabbed them so yeah that's where I'm at she was she had she was she had a dinner for ten right <laughs> yeah she she was she was geared up for sure all right was it around Halloween. Uh yeah, I, mm. I'm trying to remember. It was like a little bit before, I guess. Yeah, she was doing some fucked up stuff, some Halloween yeah. stuff with chickens. Yeah, Sant- maybe some sort of Santeria or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, regardless, um, we that's uh, we have uh freedom of religion here in the states. Um, 
as I said, I have a burn box. Uh, on a, I was talking about my burn box of, of gore noise uh, and gore grind, just in case there's ever a theocracy uh, in, the, in the states here. I'm gonna have all my, you know, except everything except the Christian death metal's got to go in the burn box. A lot of books too, but that's for another time. Something else that I think would probably have to go in the burn box is our next recommendations because they're sick. Um, Ian, I want to give you uh, the gentleman's lead and go first with yours. Yeah, always so chivalrous. Uh, <laughs> thank you kindly. Um, what I came with today, um, the artist is Sadistic Force. The album is Midnight Assassin. This is coming off of Houston, Texas-based record label Goat Throne. Um, it came out October 13th of this year, 2023. Um, and a little bit of additional background here, and actually really quick how I found them. Uh, as, a, as we talked about in the beginning of the show, I actually uh, am having more children. I needed a minivan. So I went out, bought a minivan. It didn't have like the aux cord set up and everything, you huh. know, but it had a CD port. So nice. I'm digging up old CDs. I'm trying to find what I could put in, in, in the car. And I saw that um, Horror Pain Gore Death Productions, which is a Philly-based like distro and label, had a, a very good bundle deal. It was like 30 mystery CDs for a limited time only for $30. So I was like, I do a dollar CD, get 30 CDs. If four of these hit, I'm happy. I'm fine. Honestly, like 20 of them were great. But um, Sadistic Force was one of the 30 CDs that I just grabbed recently um, from that mystery bundle. So shout out to Horror Pain Gore Death Productions. If you're unfamiliar, go check them out. Um, this band specifically, Sadistic Force, they formed in 2020. It's an Austin-based Texas three-piece. Um, they're black in speed or, or thrash metal, right? So um, a few quick notes from the bands directly on their, on their Bandcamp page. Um, this is their second full length. It's a follow up to their critically acclaimed debut album and an 11 date UK tour afterward. Um, after after which they returned to Texas, they recorded this this uh, this album here. The founder James Oliver, he fully immersed himself in the writing process, devouring countless hours of true crime and 80s slasher films for inspiration. So I think that's like where the lyrical content sits. Um, some other really quick notes outside of the music itself: the cover art, courtesy of Timbal uh, Kayono. Um, he also did a, a very interesting like heavy metal black and speed cover from a band called knife a german band called knife off dying victims production in 21 that album stuck out to me because it's a band called knife the album was called knife and the uh the <laughs> cover was a, a gentleman wielding a knife i was like that's that's beautiful so you could check out that band too on dying victim productions if you like the cover art of this it's similar over there um some few other notes really Really quickly, um, recorded by Jay uh, Petrie at Come and Track It. It was mixed by Noah Buchanan at Mercenary Studios, and it was mastered by none other than Joel Grind. So if you're familiar <laughs> with the, the genre, you're obviously familiar with Toxic Holocaust and the workings of, of Mr. Grind himself. Um, the intro track of this um, was composed and recorded by a Long Island-based thrash metal entity, Electrocutioner. Um, they just oh. came out with an album in 2023 as well called False Idols. So, uh, yeah, that kind of set the stage for that, like, 80s-inspired uh, slasher stuff, um, true crime vibe. Um, but weird that they went to, like, another thrash metal band out of Long Island for, uh, you know, an intro that was not thrash-infused at all. Um, but just thought I'd throw out that band, give them a shout-out. Um, 
last stuff for me, my actual take on the music itself. I think obviously this is for fans of the genre. If you like, uh, you know, very recent stuff from Hell Ripper of Scotland, this is for you. Midnight, Toxic Holocaust, I said. That band Knife, I called out Wraith, Butcher, so on. You know, it's more of the same as far as that concerns. Um, I, I like the campiness of kind of the black and roll. I feel like there's a lot of tracks in here that, um, you know, and that's part of the genre, I think, too, for for black and speed. Um, but the areas where they kind of just roll into some rock and roll um, do it for me because um, I think it sits pretty nicely with the juxtaposition of the lyrical content. That's like that some dude tracking down a girl that he's going to do something bad to. Um, and uh, yeah, the other good stuff, I feel like the solos were pretty measured. It wasn't like too willy nilly going on all over the place, but there was a lot of lead work that I liked that was peppered on top of that, like kind of eighties heavy metal uh, inspired riffage um, that I liked. And then uh, I'll, I'll cap it off with what I didn't really like. If I'm being honest, um, look across the board at the songs on this one and only one of the eight tracks um, clocked in under four minutes. Um, that one was called Campaign of Sin. I personally like my Black and Thrash when it's kind of got some giddy up to it. Um, I like to see tracks that clock in at like two and a half to three and a half minutes. Like they get in, they do their job, they get out. I didn't see anything on this record that was like breaking many necks. Um, apart from the title track, actually, the song um, Midnight Assassin um, kind of moved in the beginning. But other than that, um, I feel like they could have cut cut some stuff a little bit more they could have left some more on the editing room floor um to bring some of these tracks down to that like three three and a half minute spot um that's what i love actually about bands like toxic holocaust and stuff the stuff of theirs that i like is kind of punchy get in get out so uh interested in your take i know uh in the past the past few times i was here i was doing a lot of like swedish death stuff so i figured i'd go a different route yeah um yeah great recommendation Definitely um, something that I wouldn't necessarily like pick out or maybe find in my natural algorithm or, uh, you know, or, or whatever, but it's really good and it's really catchy. Um, what came to my mind right off the bat is these guys must listen to a lot of Motorhead uh, and maybe maybe uh, some, some Venom too. Um, and I mean all that like in a very respectful, complimentary way. Like when you say black and roll, I guess that's the genre. It's like that very kind of Motorhead punk like driving punk rock force but but it's got that blackened angle to it uh so and it's all mixed very like it's 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 very clean but it's not too clean like it's not sterile in the mix but it's also not um not too lo-fi it's uh it's a good mix for this type of music and it's like again it's not necessarily like my wheelhouse but um it's really good and it's definitely worth a shot for people who like you said uh you compared it to hell ripper i thought that was another apt comparison um, just really, yeah, like really catchy driving stuff. I mean, I think you kind of said it all, uh, with this really interesting that there's that connection to electrocutioner from Long Island, uh, and that they would have another band coming. I like stuff like that though, that kind of collaborative, uh, guest appearance type of approach. Um, and, uh, electrocution, interestingly enough, a band that just kind of, um, I see, I see their name around all the time. They're a very hardworking band here on Long Island. So I, you know, eventually I'd like to talk to them and, um, like so many other people, but yeah, uh, I, I definitely appreciate you bringing this in and, um, any, any parting words on this? I, I listened to it today and I just feel like I don't have much more to add to the conversation, 
Um, other than how like catchy and driving it is, it's good driving music. It's good workout music, stuff like that. I understand what you mean about the length of the songs. Cause those type of bands usually, like you say, cap it under around the three minute mark or, or less, uh, with that punk rock kind of vibe. Um, and without, without changing the song dynamics a whole lot, you kind of lose steam like between three and four minutes sometimes, but uh, but you know this this is a great album man. I think these and and the whole true crime vibe the the cover art when I first clicked on it and opened it up uh, I said to this guy I looked at the cover art and I thought it was going to be more of like your you know brutal like ignorant death metal type of thing um or maybe like some kind of like uh you know like one like one of those very gritty real life hardcore bands you know or something like that and th- like this there was definitely an unexpected uh, theme and and cover art for what the band delivers. You know what I mean? What the band delivers almost sounds fun in a way, evil fun though. You know, which I guess it would be from the perspective of like the antagonist of of the cover art. You know what I mean? Like it's just a very kind of sinister vibe, and it kind of goes with that whole eighties, late seventies, eighties true crime. Uh, you know, crazed bikers and 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 drifters, kind of. It, it's it's a it's a very the way the music contra the way the vibe of the music contrasts with the cover art. Um, it's a it's a it's a very uh, uh interesting package altogether, man. Um, so yeah, uh, but but like I said, Ian, any uh, any parting thoughts on this before we ask Tom to take it away? No, I love all that. I mean, you like you said, good driving music. That's where I, that's why I bought it. And I thought the same exact thing. I open up the box from this from this label, the mystery bundle, and I see the cover, and I go brutal death. And before I listen, I see the name Sadistic Force, and that threw me because that sounded kind of thrashy. So then I put it all together. I go, this must be a hardcore band. This is what I'm thinking. This is gonna yeah. be mixed with that cover art. And then it turned out to just be what it is. So, uh, yeah, we could we could kick it over to Tom whenever you're ready. I I had fun with this one for sure. Uh, 100%, man. Yeah, Tom, check check this one out. Maybe next time you're, you're doing some power lifting or something over there, tough guy. Sadistic Force. Uh, what was the album? Midnight Assassin? Correct, yeah. Okay. And I'm back with mine. Um, uh, so yeah, the the album that I want to bring to well, it's not an album. The demo I've been lately, I've been trying to recommend uh, some of my favorite demos. There's been a lot of great bands coming out. I don't want to just uh, concentrate. There's, it's not like I'm avoiding talking about some of the bigger death metal albums of this year or anything like that. I feel like there's a lot of platforms that do that. So I want to kind of. I like to just sift and give people a little quick bite of something different, and I like to hear something myself. So this band that I want to talk about now, Protrusion, from uh, Lafayette, Indiana, is actually made up of um, a couple of guys who've been in a whole bunch of different bands. Um, Horrific Demise, uh, well, Human Filleted, Catatonic Atrocity, 
Um, their, their, their guitarist Kyle Christman has been in between the killings and Gorgasm. So there's, there's a lot going on with these guys, um, with the different bands they've all been part of. But in just about a year ago, they recorded this demo 2023, uh, under the name Protrusion with this mix of guys. It, it feels like it's probably guys that are part of a larger local death metal community out there in Indiana and in the surrounding areas. But this Protrusion demo is kind of genius, in my opinion. There's three songs, um, very, you know, short and sweet, and uh, you can get it on Bandcamp. It's got a cool little kind of vintage, uh, like, ectoplasmic-sounding intro, and then it's, like, these three songs of mid classic midwest style 90s death metal which is a thing now i can see it coming back i've i've and i'm i'm not trying to flex but i feel, i have been talking about this happening for years now i said uh when we first started the podcast i was saying for a while all these bands that are discovering the old school death metal in a few years they're going to discover the late 90s death metal and now you're seeing bands that are coming up with the skinless sound the long island and new york sound of the late 90s mixing it with the Midwest sound. It's great. It's a flesh grind. The United Gunnerl stuff is all coming back. We're actually, I actually just booked two other young up-and-coming up and bands for interviews for the next few weeks, um, one by way of Chicago, one by way of Australia. I'll leave it there, but both of them are examples of how this style is kind of like the, the, the new thing now, man. So this is a great example of it, though. This band kind of, I got flashbacks to, like, your, you know, the, the Ohio Death Fest kind of bands, um, the regurgitation, the lividity, the, you know, the, the, the flesh grind kind of thing. But there was also a real groove element to this that reminded me of old internal bleeding. The vocals had a very, like, low guttural, but also low in volume, kind of creepy, angry sound that just kind of sits in the music, and I really enjoy that. It gives it a creepy, cryptic, old-school vibe, but it's still very brutal and guttural. Um, and the and the one thing about this, it has a lot. It's, there's a lot of groove, a lot of groove that reminded me of your classic internal bleeding style and other Long Island bands, um, but mixed in with that Midwest brutality and kind of like in your face blunt ignorance. But there's some great lead guitar work there, and and that's one of the dynamics of the lead guitars. Um, really take it to another place on many levels because they they. They're obviously experts at, at keying in that groove, that, that 90s death metal groove, but as, as, a, as it was in the 90s, as it is with a lot of those bands, what separates like the cream you know, from the shaft, or, or what, what's that saying, the, the wheat from the shaft, the cream of the crop, is uh, the ability to layer some interesting dynamic songwriting and, and convey something over those grooves. And I think that these guys with this short, pro, and also, you know, short and sweet, leave them wanting more, but this three-song protrusion demo just captures beautifully uh, a formula that has, like, the groove of the New York and East Coast style of the 90s, the blunt brutality of the Midwest with some very interesting lead guitar work going on and some really original vocals or, or, or vocals with personality, I should say, for death metal. And it just it gives it all just enough to kind of stand out. So without talking it to death, um, I think I'm going to leave it there and get your uh, perspective on this, Ian. Yeah, um I think I think that a lot of what you just summarized was thoughts that went through my head. I, upon initial listen, I was also thinking uh, internal bleeding. I don't know if that's also something based off being from Long Island myself and just my neck of the woods. Um, overall, one of the things I really liked about it, like really dug, is that 
it doesn't seem like it's like ignorant for ignorance sake. It doesn't feel like these guys got in a room and were like, let's do something knuckle dragon and totally maggot stomp old school. I've said that before on this podcast. I, I, uh, I love maggot stomp. I like those bands, but when I was comparing it to the other Midwest bands that were top of mind for me, that are really relevant right now that are trying to do old school stuff and that aren't super underground. I was thinking like 200 stab wounds. There's that band mutilated that I've heard of and seen, um, abraded. Those were a few of the names that came to mind. I think all of those were Ohio based. So, um, you know, close by, I guess, um, in, in any case, all of the above, what you just said about the guitar work being something that was like thoughtful, um, I don't feel that as much in those other acts that are also Midwest right now that I think are coming up right now. Uh, and these guys just felt very sincere. It felt like, uh, and I, I don't know, I really, really dug it. Um, I think a lot of the old school shit right now is starting to feel a little washed, starting to feel a little tired already, which is unfortunate because it's a lot of fun when done right. And I, I think these guys did it right. I was actually, you said, left them, let them want more, you know, like three songs in and out. I wanted more. I, after the, after listening to all three, I was like, oh shit, I wish this was like a eight to 10 song uh, full length right now that I could dig into. So I'm excited to hear more from the guys. This was my introduction to them. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I'm not too familiar. If you look them up, up on Metal Archives, uh, most of the members have been in uh, quite a few bands, and except for the big ones, I'm not really too familiar with a lot of these guys' projects, so this is kind of like a little scene to dive into, but this is a great demo. Um, definitely recommend it. So uh, with that being said, I'm just going to ask Tom to bring it in one more time with uh, Protrusion um, from Lafayette, Indiana's uh, three-song self-titled demo from 2023. Thanks, Tom. back so uh ian thank you for that recommendation um i hope everybody checks out mine checks out blemish and all the music we discussed on this episode uh you can check us out on patreon heavyholepodcast at gmail.com and the voicemail number is in the description wherever you're listening to this if you want to let us know what you're listening to if you want to let us know about a show um if you got a complaint if you don't like what we talk about if um if you disagree with something we say let us know man let us know what's up maybe we'll play it um, we got to get into get, get Tom with some of those voicemails. I'm probably a little backed up by now. Hopefully, you guys have been leaving them. But, um, uh, beyond that, man, Ian, um, anything else going on in the metal world or beyond, uh, that, that you have to touch on, man? I mean, I know you got, you got a lot going on on the home front there with the holidays coming up. Yeah, it's really just that, you know. Um, I keep the last time we spoke, I was like, I'm gonna try to get to a few more shows, and that's same that's same and difficult nope. as shit right now, if I'm being honest. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, it's, it's a bleak outlook on my metal front. So I just got to be a a fucking keyboard warrior over here. Keep picking up the phone when you call. That way, I can get in front of the wave and find awesome bands like uh, Protrusion before the rest of them. So that's probably where I'm at the rest of the year. 
All right, man. Fair, fair, hey, fair enough, man. At least you're honest, man. Um, but right now, I'm gonna let everybody know where I'm gonna be at the rest of the rest of the year, because um, we still got a few shows, man. Hopefully, everybody was at that anal birth show last week, um, and it didn't get shut down or anything crazy. But also, we got a few good ones coming up still. Uh, Thursday, December the seventh. At Dingbats in Clifton, New Jersey. Doors at 8 p.m. $25 tickets or $30 at the tour. Get them in, at the door. Get them in advance. This might sell out all ages. Uh, it's Mortician. Yeah. Well, I mean, what else do you need? Mortician. Uh, very proud. Reeking Aura is going to be in the building, man. Um, we're going to be there. Chained to the Dead. Uh, controller and Lobotomizer all, all performing it on that bill. Um, again, that's at Dingbats on Thursday, December 7th. Gutter Christ presents Mortician. Um, Chain to the Dead, Controller, Lobotomizer, and yes, Reeking Aura. We're going to be very proud to be at that event. And then the next night, we're going to be going right over to the St. Vitus Bar in Brooklyn, New York. Um, December 8th, 2023 at St. Vitus. Uh, this one is 18 and over. Uh, important distinction there. The, the the seventh is all ages. The eighth is uh, um, eighteen and over. Uh, doors at six thirty p.m. Mortician, malignancy, immortal suffering, and reeking aura. So December seventh at gut at uh, Dingbats and December eighth at St. Vitus Bar. Um, reeking aura. Very proud to be uh, uh, working in support of Mortician. Um, Long uh, New- Yonkers, New York, actually is a legacy death metal band. So um, beyond that, I don't think there's anything else we got booked. Until the new year, man. Rick's uh, Rick's always behind the scenes making some stuff. We got shirts. We're going to have some new shirts uh, at the uh, shows. Rick might have some. He's got those little dugouts that you, you take the, you allegedly take some weed in, you know, depending on depending on the legalities. I don't know. I don't want to get you in trouble with your kids. Um, <laughs> That's uh, Wait, so what do you do? You do branding on the side? Like, is it like etched in? Is it like lasered on? Like band name on it? Yeah, yeah. He's got a, um, he's got a. Uh, laser engrave like a laser engraver machine or whatever it is and he he burns in like the reeking aura logo on the side of the dugouts man it's beautiful we got that's better you know bands do like papers all the time and shit but like you you smoke those and then they're done and then there goes the merch but mm-hmm. that a dugout you got that fucking thing forever so there you go we got we got flasks too Oh, like, like look hip, at you guys. Hip, hip flasks. Well, we went down south um, on our last tour of the summer. We went to, like, South Carolina, Florida. We were all over the south there, Virginia. And we um, we had fishing lures, care of Fish Good NY. Um, shout out to Justin. And we had... There we go. Yeah, and we and we had the hip flasks. And they they sold, man. People love that shit, man. You got to think about where you're going. You know what I mean? You go up to Canada, maybe make some... Uh, like the knit caps, you know what I mean, man? Makes yeah, yeah, some snowshoes, and then you got to get like a 10-gallon a hat for when you hit down Texas or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah big cowboy hat, man. Yeah. Go out east, to, you know, got, you got to find a place in the in the trailer for all these surfboards with your band logo on them. Right, right. Um, oh, boy. All right. Listen, but before before we go coast to coast with the merch, um, yeah, Fish Good NY, big shout out to Justin out there. Um, always working behind the scenes on Heavy Hole Podcast, our graphics guy, Justin. He's got Fish Good NY. Uh, on, you can catch him on Instagram. Handmade fishing lures, um, bucktail jigs, and more, and apparel now. He's got a nice hat. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of his, his stuff he's come out with. I've seen. I mean, I love the look and feel of social media that he puts out on it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that much apart from that. I'll, I'll check out more of, of his shit now if they have apparel. That's awesome. Let me know because I'm pretty sure he blocked me. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, he definitely did. He definitely did. Yeah, I. it's <laughs> it's we have a I I always I spend every minute of my time with Justin 
thinking back and wondering if I've offended him or something. I feel bad. I, I want to. Well, I, you definitely did. And you should probably, you know, that should keep you up tonight. I'm going to buy him a nice bottle of wine for the holidays. That's all. Him and his family. Um, there you go. That's it. But speaking of holidays, I'm also going to be working on a couple of bonus episodes to drop around the new year. Um, I think people earned it. People deserve. It. I might be calling in, calling in the 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 reinforcements, Ian. You and the homies on that. We'll see what I told you. Me and me and Tom might. Um, it might be like the movie Old School. You'll be out with your kids, and we'll just <laughs> we'll pull up in the van and just grab you, and drive off. Well, don't worry. We'll coordinate it with your wife first, so the kids are okay. But the kid the kids will get a good scare out of it too for like ten seconds, and then your your wife will pull up. It'll be good. Yeah, I love that. No, I'm way <laughs> down. You you and nobody could say that you've been. Lazy. I'll give you that much. I looked across. You guys did the bonus Halloween episode. You guys stay busy on Patreon and everything. So kudos to you because you got so much of the other real shit going on as well with bands. So you're out here fucking making, making fishing gear. You're making uh, smoking and drinking gear, but you also have time for the podcast. So Tom's like an adult with a house in another state somewhere. Yeah, he's know. he's like next level adult right now. Yeah, yeah for I. Sure. I still think this whole getting married and buying a house thing that Tom did might have just been like a clever ruse. He like he's on a, he's like an, he's he's uh, doing all of this stuff like remotely on a laptop in random hotel rooms, like like on some sort of Sarah Connor esque mission, you know, like he like evasively touring the the Southwest United States and. I, I I don't know where I'm going with this, but I just I like less of that sounds less far fetched knowing Tom than than he settled down, moved into a home, and and you know is developing his 401k. I'm more likely to believe that he's in uh some motel somewhere right now. I agree. I just like this idea of renegade Tom on the run, like hacking into um you know like libraries to 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 to, <laughs> to edit the podcast. Like just out of loyalty to me, while his life's on the, while there's like government agents after him, I, was, I don't know, man. Maybe that'll be our our other podcast. Oh boy! But before I go down that wormhole, man, I I don't know, man. Maybe I've just been like reading too much sci-fi or something. I don't know, man. I got I got to lay off. Uh, but shout to Tom wherever you are. He's at he's at a Best Western under an assumed name in New Mexico. Um, we wish him well. Uh, uh, and and uh, I'm trying to think about how we could uh how we could end off on this one. <laughs> 